Okay. Over the last six years, yeah. been a barber, been a pastor, even become the Milwaukee Bucks chaplain. Yeah. Explain what those emotions have been like. Uh, fun, anxious, stressed, sleepy. <laughs> And we're back with Invisible Talks. I'm Tyra Marie, your host. And you know, I've been feeling that life is just a beautiful journey. I don't have it all figured out and I don't have the answers. We are each a piece of art, handpicked and crafted from the creator, the father. Today I'm on the road to a construction site, a full-blown construction site. (laughs) I'm meeting with Pastor Ken. He's the head pastor at Evolve Church as they complete their new home. Y'all, it's going to be nice. (laughs) He's got a story to tell, and it's not your typical one. He wears many hats, but he's committed to what he believes God has sent him here to do. Take a listen. How has being raised in the church impacted your journey so far? I mean, there's a lot of favor and grace over your life. Yeah. What are some of those highs and lows? That's a, I mean, that's so much. How much time do we have? I mean, uh, been born and raised in the church, gave me my footing, my grounding. You know, I built my house on concrete, right? Because uh, I built my, my house on Christ and on God, on Yahweh. So uh, faith, favor, grace. I was raised from a young age to always put God first. And, uh, and everything that I do, I honor and see God first. So that has been a huge blessing for me. Beyond measure, I can't thank my parents enough for raising me in faith. The other side of that coin is being born and raised in church made me hypercritical of everybody. And when I was raised young, I I wholeheartedly believed the whole world was going to hell and most of the church. (laughs) Judgment going to begin at the church, so where was sinners about? I mean, I, I held to that so heavy. And it was almost as if I was mad at people for being sinners. I was mad at them, right? I'm like, how could you, how could you not serve God? Look at y'all out here just living and doing all of this. And I realized my approach was terribly misguided. I learned later that through loving kindness have I drawn thee. And that uh, from the beginning, God saw a very broken world and loved it. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. And when you look at the status and the stage that the world was in when God articulated that he loved it, was one of the worst that had ever been. That is the worst state. It was 400 years of the absence of any kind of faith, a relationship with God. And God looked at us and still loved us because he wanted us to know him. And uh, my approach changed later in life where I realized most people who don't have a relationship with God is because they honestly don't know him. Because it's hard to know what I know now and not desire to go deeper. It's just, it's impossible. Can you reflect on a moment Oh, yeah, every time you fail. <laughs> every time you fail and you're, you're begging, right? Or at, I don't say begging, but asking God for forgiveness. You're repenting. I'm changing my heart. I realize I'm off. It's that moment where you're reminded, hey, I am no better than anybody else. And for me, I was reminded in scripture. I remember like it was yesterday. I was reading St. Luke, the 15th chapter. It's the 11th verse where it's the, the story of the Pharisee and the tax collector, the sinner. And the Pharisee had everything right, but his heart. He was like, I tithe, I give, I don't sin like the rest of these folks. I'm here at church every weekend. I pray, I fast when you tell me, God. 
And the Bible says that the, the tax collector, the worst sinner of that time, because he turned on his own people, came in the church, stood in the back because he was too ashamed. And he wouldn't even look up towards heaven because he was like, who am I to look at God with as filthy as I am? And the Bible says all he said did was hit himself on the chest twice and said, God, forgive me. I know that I'm a sinner and I need your help. And Jesus said, you know, you got to listen to Jesus talking. It wasn't Jesus said the sinner who knew he was a sinner, who had his head held down in church, in the back of the church, left out freer and more justified. That blew my mind. Then the man who did everything right but had a bad heart posture. And for me, I started looking around church and I was like, man, we're all Pharisees. Like, if somebody came in right now high or drunk in the back, we would do the same thing. Like, God, I don't live like this. I'm here every Sunday. Uh, this person is saying, God, I'm right. I'm living righteous. I know I'm going to be blessed, favored, blessings and riches all in my house, right? You're like this very arrogant, like God owes me a blessing. And the person who's making mistakes in the back is saying, God, I realize you don't owe me nothing. Everything you've owed me, you've given me, which is the life of your son. And uh, all I ask is for grace that I can become better. And Jesus said he's in a better position. Instantly, I realized my actions meant nothing. My heart meant everything. And I started changing my heart before God. So it was very humbling that you can do all of these works and you could pretend to be better than what you are. But only God knows the true posture of where your heart is before him. If that makes sense. It's a tough one. It's only tough because I'm living through it right now. Um, the Bible says two things. The Bible says, uh, above all else, guard your heart. Everything you do flows from it. And God had to highlight to me that the enemy is after your heart. It's not even about the relationship falling apart. It's not about the business falling apart. It's not about the pain you go through. The goal is to get you to change. If I can get you to lose the heart you have for God and the thankfulness and the peace you walk in, even if you make it out of sin, you're still lost because your heart posture changed. And this is why the Bible says, like, above everything else, Proverbs says, like, out of everything in the world, guard your heart. Because everything you do, how you serve God, how you love family, how you love others, everything you do, how you work, how you breathe, how you heal, flows from that heart. And uh, I've learned so much more lately with dealing with heartbreak and dealing with heartache that you really have to, you have to stay in a place of allowing God to heal that heart every day, right? And submitting whatever the pain is or whatever the issue is and knowing that it wasn't God's will for you to avoid all pain. That's not his will. I think we we miss God in thinking that when it's hard and when it hurts, it's not him. But it's just not true. Uh, sometimes there are things you've got to live through. One specific scripture comes to my mind in Luke 22 and Jesus tells Peter, hey, Satan has desired you. Or he's asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. He said, but I pray for you. And I would think like, okay, it's getting good. So I pray 
that your faith won't fail. Out of all the things Jesus could have prayed for, he knows Peter's getting ready to be attacked. He's getting ready to go in the worst storm of his life. He could have prayed God, don't let him go through it. He could have prayed God, keep him from the fight. He could have prayed God, don't let the pain drown him. He said, no, you're going to go through it, Peter. But I pray that your faith wouldn't die. They're like, you got to go through this, but your faith can't die because what you're going to go through. And the two assignments he gave Peter is that don't let your faith die. And when you make it out alive, strengthen your brothers. And some of the things we go through is actually for the purpose of who we're supposed to serve when we come out on the other side. Uh, it's for the other people. It's not even about just you. God allows you to walk through it to garner the wisdom, the emotional fortitude and strength to be able to go grab your other brothers and sisters and say, this is how God wants us to heal as we walk through this process. So you're going to go through the brokenness. We all do. I'm going through it, all of us. But it's about, once again, that heart posture. It's my heart guarded in this. And we let so many people in, so many friends and so many relationships so quickly we don't really value the protection of our heart. I can entertain you with my mind, but I can't let you into my heart until you've proven that you're worth the value of what I'm holding here because everything I do flows from here. Talk about that a little bit more because I think we hear guard your heart a lot. Yeah. With someone who doesn't know God, who's never walked into a space, who's never really heard a sermon. Yeah. What are the practical steps to guarding your heart? Yeah, man. So number one, the thing that I do first when it comes to guarding your heart is like, you don't really know your heart. Like sometimes you gotta, you have to call the manufacturer. You know, <laughs> like I don't know how to work this thing here. It keeps it keeps connecting to people that it shouldn't connect with. It keeps letting bad people in. God is a manufacturer. He's the creator. Sometimes you have to have a relationship with God. Not sometimes. You need a relationship with God to to even understand how your heart works. Number two, for those who operate in love, you have real love in your heart. The Bible says explicitly. That love covers a multitude of sins or it hides all mistakes. So when you love people, you will intentionally and purposefully look past red flags to give them another chance because that's what the heart does. When it loves people, it will ignore every sign God is trying to give you because it wants to ignore it. It hides it intentionally. So you got to call the manufacturer. Okay, how does my heart work? My heart works that when I love people, I give them chances I shouldn't give. Right? Not chance with you. We all deserve that. But inside of here. So practical steps is. I don't let. I want to say this with grace. If, if this person has already proven they are not the kind of person that values what I value. It is counterproductive to me to give that person space in my heart because eventually they will cut themselves out. They don't want what I want. They don't want to live in the space that I want to live in. So giving them my heart is actually creating a prison for them because no matter how good I want to be, if my good is not what they desire, it still can become a prison for them. So protecting your heart is always, always, always people. Always, right? And it's, it's such a it's weird space, but it's like when God wants to bless you, he sends people. When the enemy wants to destroy you, he sends people. And so your discernment when it comes to your heart has to be so solid because what God said is I'm going to let the wheat and tear grow together. So you won't even know sometimes who's really for you, who's not until y'all grown a little bit and you've given them room and time 
And it's in that moment where you're most tempted to stop guarding your heart because you're hurt, you're angry, right? And he said, guard it, not imprison it, not hide it, not pretend as if you will never give anybody else a shot. But when you do give chances, make sure you're guarding it, that God is the number one source that is leading and guiding your heart. Talk about guarding your heart. People, yep. I look at you, this is my perception as the people's people. People, people see your growth, they see your energy, they want that. Yeah. Come on. How do you walk in this space? I'm sorry. I just that just gave me a workout. I'm to keep going. I'm sorry. She's preaching. How do you walk in this space um, and guide people and correct people? Like I'm like, I'm I preach it all the time, like every time from the stage. One of the things that I don't do, our mantra for our church is TRU, which is true. We're transparent. We're real. We're unedited. And not unedited on your mistakes in the crowd. Unedited on the leader's mistakes from the stage. What I've learned is that if I show people that I have the same difficulties, the same fights, the same traumas, triggers, pains, heartaches that they have, and I'm learning, or I have learned in certain cases, how to still honor God through it and how to still submit my life. A person then looks at me and says, if he, being a man, has dealt with the same pain that hurts and has still learned how to honor God through it, then I can too, because God is not a respecter of any man's persons. Right? God doesn't have any grandkids, only kids. So you're not God's child through the pastor, or you're not God's child through the prophet, through the apostle. Like, you're not through the bishop. You're not, you know, you don't have to go through a person to get to God because he doesn't have grandkids. We are all his children. And when we get to heaven, there won't be a pastor section or a bishop section or, you know, a man of God, a woman of God section. Like we will genuinely be in the same choir saying, holy, holy, holy. So it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful thing when pastors like myself and others are able to be transparent. Give me grace when I say this are able to be transparent before the mistake. Because what typically happens is we don't cry, I'm human, until we failed. So an affair comes out. Or, you know, you get caught doing something stupid. And I was like, y'all pray for me. I'm human. I'm the other way around. I'm like, y'all, I ain't made no mistakes. But keep praying for me, make sure I don't. Right? Like, keep covering me because the enemy always goes for the messenger. If he can get the messenger, he could, he could distort the message. You lead an entire group of strength because of it. So, yeah. When, when I think of seasons of evolving, right? Okay. Play on words. Yeah. Talk to me. Talk to me. Those are my those are my attack moments where I'm getting kicked, punched, all in the gut area, all where the Holy Spirit flows. It's the most challenging, but it's also the most beautiful because I know in the process of the pain that once I come out, there's going to be something beautiful at it. Come on. Come on. Right yeah, dude, we are inside of our location. Our campus, 6550 North 76th Street, Evolve Church. We'll be in the space within the next uh, month and a half. This was birthed out of prayer. Um, our church started with myself, my family, and some other leaders praying on my living room floor. And God gave me a vision for this. And I remember telling the team what we were going to do. And at that time, my team looked at me and said, Pastor, we ain't got no money. <laughs> and I said, I know you don't, but this is what God told me. And um, they prayed with me. And I'm pretty sure they walked out and said I was crazy. But in my face, they at least let me think that they believed me. Right. And um, just three short years later, 
in three years of ministry, God blessed us to be able to buy our own facility. And now we're in year four, we're getting ready to move into our own facility after um, some tremendous construction. And it comes from these very same spaces of being birthed out of pain, right? And being birthed out of difficulty. I just made a status um, a, a day or two ago on Facebook that a mother never you know, downplays or disregards the beauty of her baby because of the pain of labor, right? The, the, the labor pains are crazy. I've seen women cry and bleed and shake. But when you see the beauty of their child, it's almost as if it was all worth it. And uh, it makes me look at my life and say all of the pain, all of the difficulty, all of the heartache, it was all worth it to see what God is doing in my life right now. Right? And even though I'm in a crazy season right now, like, I'm glorified. It gives the enemy what he wants. Like, God is still good. I'm alive. I'm breathing. The doctors gave me up to die in 2014. I'm still here. So the fact that I'm still here, I tell God, even my bad days, it's a blessing to breathe because I wasn't supposed to see any more days. So I'm so grateful. I, that's why I'm always happy and smiling because it doesn't really matter what happens. God's grace is sufficient. Like he told, uh, told Paul. How did you mentally overcome that That was the toughest. That was a tough space for me only because, you know, they say your whole life flashes before your eyes. For sure. My son was two years old. I was quarantined in the hospital, so he couldn't touch me. But I watched my son cry through the window because he wanted to hug his dad, but he couldn't. And the doctors had given me a 48-hour diagnosis. They had a brain infection, an infection in my brain fluids and in my spinal fluids. And it was shutting my organs down by the hour. And then... I, I vividly remember waking up in the middle of the night saying, like, I'm, I'm, I'm about to go. Like, you know, you could feel it. And I, and I was getting ready to walk up the room. And the nurse was like, hey, you can't leave the room. You're quarantined. And I said, ma'am, y'all said I'm about to die. Can I at least walk the hallway and look out the window? And I looked out the window when I walked the hallway. And I told God, if he allowed me to live, my entire life will be dedicated to serving him. Every single waking moment will be dedicated to serving him. And, um... It was in that moment I had abandoned my entire agenda for life. Everything I ever wanted, every business, every dream, want to be a millionaire, want to own this kind of car, want to live in this kind of house. I abandoned all of it in that moment because the only thing that mattered to me was life and godliness. And I challenged myself every day to remember that, that the only thing that matters to you when it's all said and done is life and a connection with God. And uh, as long as I have those two, I'm all right. So your story makes Absolutely. Invited to intimacy and into a relationship. And it was also 
an invite to change. When you talk about the guy who's sitting in dirty clothes, everybody else is also dirty. They were getting invites from this roadside or from farms. And and um, he was only disrespected because he was like, you, you knew where you were coming to. And there was not even an attempt to change. And that challenge goes to the person that's saying, oh, God knows my heart. You know, he knows God ain't through with me yet. I'm like, no, God been through. You ain't through. Right. God does know your heart, but he also knows if you're not even trying to seek him or even trying to be better. And I think that invitation is exactly what you said. Is it a calamity? The hardship, the difficult conditions and circumstances that we really get a chance to see is my faith in God. Or has my faith always been in the comfort of what I know I can do and accomplish in my own hands and strength? So, yeah. There are a lot of people who are watching this for the first time. There are people who have known you. Um, for those who have an opinion that you should show a person because you love God yeah. or that your life should look a certain way, you should yep. want luxury. Yeah. Oh, you th- these are just these are huge questions. You know what I mean? Should have given me no warning, y'all. Um, for those who think like, all right, I feel like Kurt Frank. For those who think music has gone too far, for for those who feel you should show up perfect, that person is obviously a person who doesn't know themselves, because inside of all of us is humanity, right? And inside of all of us is this nature that God is constantly killing, right? And it's not always like the worst of the worst, where it's like super sinful, super dark. I'm not talking about that. Sometimes it's just selfish or braggadocious. Um, sometimes it is so much self-pity, it brings you into depression. Sometimes it's very, very bad and internal destructive habits that all of us have to get through. And this is why we say salvation happens immediately. Transformation takes time. The moment you give your life to Jesus, God, I believe in you. I accept you as my Lord and personal Savior. You're good. Like You got it. You're there. But your mind is still the same way it was when you came to church. And so this is why he says in Romans 12, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you can't really understand God's purpose and plan for me, for yourself, if your own mind is still so damaged by the life experiences and, and previous understandings of who God is that you have. So I tell everybody, when you come in and they see me, like, please don't even expect not even a little bit to meet a perfect person. But you will meet an honest one. The one thing I've always been has been honest and truthful. And that's on my good days and my bad days. Somebody just told me today, I don't want to follow you no more. Because in the last week, you ain't been encouraging me. You haven't. I, I look to your post for me to be happy. And I can tell you're going through something. So I'm going to unfollow you. So, Jake. And I said, ma'am, I am so sorry that my post haven't been up to your standard in your life. And I'm so happy that you are choosing to unfollow me for the betterment of yourself. What I'm never going to do is pretend to be something I'm not. You're going to see a man totally devoted to God. And my good days were also totally devoted to God on my bad days. You're not going to see me pretend to be good on my bad days either. It can be a tough day, but it's still a day that I glorify God and give his name on the praise. So. So we're just going to close out your kids, your wife, Woo! my kids, 
I would want them to know that dad is fighting every day to make sure that generational curses are reattached to them. I pray over my kids every single night. I say every night. Every single night. And um, I pray five years from now, my son will be 15, my daughter will be 10. That they will look back and say, wow, dad has grown a lot. That <laughs> um, they will also look back and say, that's the man I know. He's always been that on camera and off camera. It's genuinely who he is. And uh, my prayer is that when I'm dead and gone 50 years from now, that the testimony for my life is that my kids would say, my father had a real love for God. He genuinely loved God and loved people. So that's my sign up. In the absence of faith, God still loves us. Don't lose hope your heart, or your desire to heal. Because God sees you in everything that you go through. He will use it to strengthen you. Still honor God through it all. There's always an invisible lesson to be learned, an invisible talk to be had. I hope you were inspired and encouraged to continue your journey to becoming your best self, not on your own strength and not by yourself, but with the creator, the father. Until next time. That's all we've got for today's episode here at Podcast Town Studio. These stories, they connect us. The ultimate question, what was the journey like to freedom? Wait, freedom is agreeing to disagree, different perspectives, healing from within, all because life and legacy are complex. We see people everywhere, but do we really see them? Their thoughts, griefs, pain or struggles? To be strong is to heal. If your heart is broken, you'll find God right there. If you're kicked in the gut, he will help you catch your breath. Remember to breathe. You're stronger than you think. Make sure you stay connected by following us on Facebook and Instagram at Invisible Talks Podcast. Until next time, I'm your host, Tyra Elam.